0: Welcome to the Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This is where we talk about super materials, from thermally efficient clothes to helping melt ice in a more efficient way. Now, clothing is incredibly important, but how do we get clothes that is both breathable and water repellent? Plus, we find out ways to help improve our fabrics, recycle e-waste more efficiently, and better ways to melt ice using materials that hate and love water at the same time. It's hard to think about the advancement of human civilization without a few major inventions. Of course, fire, the wheel, agriculture and large cities, and the amalgamation and pooling of resources to achieve a larger aim are all important things. But an underrated and often overlooked invention is, of course, clothing. Now, clothing serves an important purpose for humans. We don't have thick, hairy coats, so we rely on our clothing to help us survive in different climates. And that's exactly what we've been doing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's one of the great advantages of the Homo sapiens species. But in this modern area where we're facing a changing climate and a warming planet, having clothing that helps us adapt to our environment even more so, and does so in an energy-efficient way is incredibly important. And that's what researchers from Dongha University in China have been investigating. What they were developing was a new type of material that could be much more efficient at cooling you down. Now, The big reason for doing all this kind of thing is that when you think about how much energy that we produce just to cool ourselves down, it equates for around 10% of all electricity consumption in the United States, as an example. Air conditioning or other space cooling methods, that is. And that's a lot of energy just wasted if we could find a more efficient way to cool us down. Now, there's been a lot of fabrics that are more breathable, more easy to wear, more light to wear, that help us sweat more and wick away the moisture and keep us cool. That's actually the whole purpose of sweating. It's one of the big inventions of the human species that enables us to run long distances and cope well with extreme exertion in the heat. Sweating is actually a pretty powerful thing, but trapping all that moisture makes you feel sticky and wet, so you actually want that moisture to evaporate away. So that means you don't want it stuck in your clothes, you want it exposed to the air. So that means most clothes that you would actually really want to wear transfers heat and allows moisture to evaporate from the skin. At the same time, the other really important job of clothes is to prevent you from getting wet or damp. You don't want your clothes to get a bit of water on them and then soak through. So all these kind of things are always trade off between materials. You can have a nice waterproof jacket, but it doesn't let your heat and sweat out. Striking that balance is incredibly important and it's really important also for cooling down your body now if you could cool down the clothing and have that clothing help you you don't rely so much on air conditioning and other cooling methods so that's a really good saving so that's what researchers including uh, principal investigators yang si and bing ding and their colleagues wanted to investigate this personal cooling fabric that would be able to efficiently transfer heat away from the body at the same time be both water repellent and easy to make now what they did to make this material ended up with a material with some pretty incredible properties. So the process they used to make this pretty smart material is known as electrospinning a polymer. So they took a polymer, in this case polyurethane, they mixed it in solution with a water-repellent version of the same polymer called fluorinated polyurethane, added in a thermally conductive filler, boron nitride, and they injected this solution through a syringe and exposed that flow of liquid, to a high voltage. This is the electro part of the electrospinning process as it sort of spirals out through this coil of flowing liquid. It's getting charged in this case and then they place it onto these nanofibrous membranes. Now all of these polymers form a really fibrous network and they're all coated in this big meshy network which creates a sponge with this boron nitride conducting layer and that gives it a really big advantage. Now interesting the when you think about it in this big membrane that was created well they were large enough to allow sweat to evaporate from the skin and for air to come through and circulate but because they also had this fluorinated polyurethane in it as well they also had the ability to prevent water from coming in the fluorinated polyurethane was obviously water resistant and water repellent and they actually did a test where they dropped droplets of water onto this material and watched it bounce several times, which is a pretty amazing thing to behold. Now, one of the interesting properties of this membrane as well, is that they actually conducted an experiment, which you can see video of, where they fill a chamber with water and on the other side of it, the chamber, with air. And they put this fabric between them. Now, the simple test is the water doesn't drip out but they could actually bubble air through the fabric from the air chamber up and into the water to create a bubbling fish tank-like effect. It looks pretty stunning, but it's a testament to the actual ability of this material to both repel water and to allow air flow through. And that means you could efficiently transfer heat out of the clothing, but also make a pretty interesting material that could be used for everything from personal cooling to solar energy collection to seawater desalination, or even thermal management of electronic devices. Now, when it comes to the thermal conductivity of it, aside from the breathability of the material, they also proved that it was actually much higher as thermal conductivity than most conventional fabrics, nylon, cotton, jewel, you name it. And it really occupies the sweet spot of high thermal conductivity and high concentration of the particular boronitrite filler. Okay, you can't go out today and buy a large bolt of this fabric in order to make a pretty spectacular outfit that is cool and water repellent, but it shows the benefit of actually working on materials to change the way we view our clothing, to have it do more than one function and work in surprisingly efficient ways at both heating and cooling you at just the right moment. Some pretty interesting research published in the American Chemical Society's Journal materials and interfaces, including lead authors Ji-Yu and Yan-Li. Now, when we rely on things like air conditions instead of super thermally efficient fabrics, well, we rely on often things called heat exchanges. Heat exchanges convert warm air into cold air or warm fluid into cold fluid. This exchange mechanism relies on thermal transfer. Sometimes you pass hot air over a coil of cold water in pipes. And there's a number of other different mechanisms that you can use. But more or less they all work on the same principle. Conductive heat transfer. The more surface area, the better. Now the problem is that these heat transfer mechanisms, these heat exchangers, sometimes they can get really hot and sometimes they can get really cold. And you actually often can end up with ice formation accumulations of an over-efficient heat transfer system. This can happen. Not only on ventilation, air conditioning systems, or refrigerators, you'll be familiar if you have a refrigerator that overfreezes and gets too much ice build up, but it also occurs on aircraft, energy transmission, and even transportation platforms. So, preventing things from frosting over, particularly on heat exchanges, is incredibly important because not only does it reduce the heat efficiency, but it also leads to economic and environmental damage and loss. So, how do you make these heat exchanges more heat efficient? And that's what researchers from the University of Illinois' Granger College of Engineering have been investigating and published in the journal Matter. Now, this work was led by Ehed Mikovich and his research group at the university, including lead author in this paper, Yisraji Gurumakumi and Dr. Somedip Set. Now, the idea that they came up with to help improve these heat exchangers is to really help improve the melting process, the way that you would melt all the ice that forms on these heat exchangers. So, typically, you have to try and defrost the heat exchanger, heating it up to melt all the ice that has formed on it. But it's not enough just to slightly melt the ice, because once you've broken that ice and got it down, instead of solid ice chunks you now have lots of puddles of water so then you need to evaporate the water so it's not enough just to get that water in ice form heated up so it melts then you need to heat it up even further to actually evaporate it so that's a lot of thermal energy just wasted so the researchers turned to a particular material property they wanted to make a material that was biphilic the surface of it at least uh, biphilic surfaces have alternating superhydrophobic which is, means super water repelling and super hydrophilic super water loving regions so if you imagine a material that just alternates from hating water to loving water to hating water to loving water that's what they call these biphilic surfaces now what they noticed in they created a bi surface using this alternating pattern and then they put some ice onto it and started to heat it up. And the results were very, very interesting. Because when it started to defrost, the frost on the layer on the super hydrophobic region, the one that hated water, melts and it wants to get away from that hydrophobic region. Basically that hydrophobic region helps push away the slush, the puddle just slides off it. You make this highly mobile slush pile that moves to another area. So it's pulled towards the area that loves water the hydrophilic region and this means that you get the water just naturally shudding and sloshing around that helps actually making it evaporate faster and clean the surface at the same time because it really helps with ice breakdown if you actually have something in motion rather than a stagnant pool and by optimizing the pattern of these biophilic surfaces you actually get to see how to make it even more efficient. It's similar to what's actually done in something like a banana leaf. That's where they took the inspiration from to see if they could help reduce the cleaning time for actually cleaning off these heat exchanger surfaces. So of course, you'd have to coat the heat exchanger in this material coating to make a biphilic surface, one that has a hydrophobic and a hydrophilic region. But if as long as you have this alternating binary pattern you can actually get huge benefits in the cleaning time and the breakdown and prevention, really, of even ice formation. And that can have huge benefits in boosting the efficiency of large-scale cooling systems, of aircraft, and a number of other different applications where we rely on the breakdown of ice. All of that means that we have more energy-efficient systems. So when we do have to rely on air conditioning and other heating and cooling methods, we actually have it work as efficiently as possible. This is some great research published in the journal MAT, lead authors, graduate student Israj Gurmakimi and postdoctoral scholar Dr. Sumitib Set. From the University of Illinois. Recycling garbage and waste is a problem in all industries and all sectors. But a particularly dangerous and complicated one is e-waste, electronic waste. In 2019 alone, the world generated 53.6 million tonnes of e-waste. That's around 7.3 kilograms per person. Or another way to think about it is the weight of 350 cruise ships. Now most of this e-waste is being produced in Asia and then of course the Americas. Now, this r- amount of e-waste is growing year on year, with each n- year seeing more and more e-waste being produced. The problem is, to actually recycle an electronic waste is very, very difficult. One of the main reasons for this is that electronic waste is a combination of plastic, metals, and then rare earth metals, silicon, and lots of other dosing agents. All of these get smooshed together. So if you were to take apart your phone, you would find plastics on the housings, maybe some magnesium, maybe some aluminium, maybe some silicon chips, maybe some doped layers of circuit boards, maybe some other rare earth metals mixed in there. And separating all these out is incredibly difficult and time consuming. It's hard enough to recycle a milk bottle to strip away the label, take away the plastic cup, and then just crush down and recycle the HDPE in the milk bottle itself. But now to think about all of those complex little bits in your smartphone, you can begin to appreciate why e-waste is so difficult to deal with and recycle. Now, a lot of the stuff actually inside e-waste is quite valuable. So then maybe it could be worth recycling. But actually capturing and finding a way to recycle it is difficult. And okay, for those that don't just dump it, that do try and recycle it, it can be incredibly toxic for those that are exposed to the melting down and scavenging for those valuable metals out of all of those old circuit boards. And that means that it can put people at risk just dealing with the e-waste when they do try to recycle it. Now, ultimately, we have to have a better solution for dealing with e-waste. And it is one of the major challenges of our time. But some new research published in the American Chemical Society's journal Omega by authors Rumana Hossain and Vina Savali have developed a new method for actually finding something useful to do with this e-waste that doesn't require the big intensive recycling process. Now, what previous research has shown is that if you heat up e-waste hot enough, then you can actually break and reform the chemical bonds inside that E-waste to make it into newer environmentally friendly materials. And doing this, researchers have found ways to turn a mix of glass and plastic and silica containing materials in all the circuit boards into a mix of valuable silicon containing ceramics. You can use the same process to break down and recover copper, which is all in the circuit boards. Now, The idea then was, well, based on the properties of copper and the silica compounds, could you do something to make a new hybrid material? Not just turn this recycled uh, e-waste into some more base components, ceramics or recycling copper, but actually add value and make a whole new product. And what they did was develop a new kind of coating, a protective outer layer for metal surfaces. So what they first did was heat glass and plastic powder crushed from computer monitors old computer monitors that is to around 1500 degrees celsius to generate silicon carbide nanowires they then wrapped these nanowires with ground up circuit board stuff and they put this mix onto a steel substrate and this time heated it up again now what's interesting is once you get above just under a thousand degrees Celsius, something interesting starts to happen to the material properties. The copper starts to melt to form a silicon carbide enriched layer that cakes itself and melts itself all across the top of the steel substrate. Now, why is that useful? Well, because when you start to look at the structure that's created on the surface of the steel, you get a really chip and crack resistant surface finish on the steel, which is pretty good and not only that it actually increases the steel's hardness by around 125 percent now this means that you've used this really interesting recycling process that not only recovers the waste but actually turns it into a way to improve another material in this case steel now it's a bit difficult these guys researchers have only done this on a small scale but trying to think about ways to reuse all of these e-waste in a new and innovative method is exactly what's going on here you can read about it published in the journal acs amiga this has been the young scientists of australia's podcast lagrange point from biophilic services that hate and love water at the same time to more thermally efficient clothing that is also water repellent and better ways to recycle e-waste our ending theme was composed by audio addicts head to ysa.org.au for more information about the young scientists of australia